RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. The Trek Files, Episode 24, Letter from the American Baptist Convention to Gene Roddenberry, April 15th, 1959. This episode of The Trek Files is sponsored by the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions, large format ships officially authorized by CBS Studios. Subscribe today and get the USS Voyager for 20% off and with free shipping. For details, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Welcome to The Trek Files, a look into the archives of Roddenberry Entertainment from the personal files of Gene Roddenberry. And now your host, Dr. Trek, Larry Nemechek. Welcome back, Star Trek deep divers, and yes, all you Trekophiles spelled with an F. <laughs> this, was, uh, this was such a delight to find in the archives. Our document this week, uh, it's one you might not expect. It's also the earliest document that we've featured so far on the show. From 1959, Gene, you know, Gene's career, he won many awards from industry organizations, from organizations outside the industry. Uh, Our document this week is one of the latter, and in a modern perspective, it may come as a surprise. Take a listen and then be right back with me with my guest this week. April 15th, 1959. Dear Gene, congratulations. Undoubtedly by this date, you've received a call informing you of the news that the Radio and Television Awards Committee of the American Baptist Convention has voted to recognize your work in Have Gone, Will Travel. To fill you in on the background, each year four awards are given. This year, one of the categories included television writers. Specifically, the award is to recognize the writer who has done the most effective job in presenting a Christian message on a commercial television program. Star Trek fans, you asked for bigger ships, and now you've got bigger ships. The official Star Trek Starships XL editions from Eagle Moss are twice as large as the standard models. Officially authorized by CBS Studios, each iconic ship is die-cast and hand-painted, and each comes with an in-depth magazine featuring production artwork, highlights of the ship's history, design, and a breakdown of the technology on board, along with crew and weapons. Start your collection today with the 10-inch XL Edition USS Voyager for only $59.95 with free shipping. New models ship every other month for the same low price with free shipping, and you may cancel your subscription at any time. For details and to order, visit st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Go big with the official Star Trek Starships XL Editions at st-starshipsxl.com slash thetrekfiles. Yes, you heard that right, Trekophiles. The American Baptist Convention, uh, shorthand, the Northern Baptists, in 1959 awarded Gene for his television writing, specifically on Have a Gun, Will Travel, which was one of the major series of the day. And as we'll find out, Gene was tied for the most prolific contributor of scripts for Have a Gun, Will Travel. It was a top ten show every year it was on from 1957 to 1963. 
<laughs> the American Baptist Convention. Just think of all that we think about now as Gene is the humanist. And uh, I don't know. Our, my guest this week is back again. John Champion from Mission Log and Mission Log Live. Oh. John, this just caught our eye the minute this, we found it in the file. This is so exciting. I have so many questions. Um, I, the questions alone could fill 15 minutes. And this is one of those times where I really wish that um, – that I had somebody to talk to who was there mm-hmm. <laughs> because um, 1959 Gene Roddenberry is different from 1969 Gene Roddenberry is different from 1979 or 89 Gene Roddenberry. And you really have to wonder. I, so put yourself in his position then. He's a writer. He's not producer. He's not Mr. Right. Star Trek. He he's not the guy who gets to call the shots, but he's the guy with a story to tell. He's gotten very good at being the storyteller with a story to tell. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if you're a writer and you're not Mr. Producer, Mr. Star Trek, you certainly don't turn down an award. <laughs> right, know? right. But I have to wonder when he got that call or when he got this letter – what did he think? Did did he think, you know, I'm just a guy writing a story, and if it's affecting people where they think that I'm speaking specifically to them, well, that's a good thing, I guess. I'll, I'll take the award. But was that really my intention with the story? Now, here's the problem. I don't know enough about Have Gun, Will Travel. I've watched a handful of episodes. Um, I believe I've watched a couple that Gene wrote. Um, but for this show specifically, for our, right. our discussion today, I, I haven't watched uh, a majority of Gene's episodes and then certainly not the, the number that he did leading up to the time that this letter came out. We have to assume this came out uh, toward the end of the second, of the second season. season of Have Gun. Right? So they must have been referencing season one and maybe into season two. But by the time this committee decided to send this letter and award him – Let's say right. they'd only watched through the end of 1958, maybe right. into very early, early right. Because we're talking about uh, uh, stamp and paper yeah. delivery here yeah, at this yeah. committee, not knowing how big it is. You'll have to watch the shows. They're not popping it onto DVD and, or right. streaming it. No screeners. It, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they had to actually sit down and watch the shows as they came out and then make some phone calls and decide what they're going to cover. Well, and, yeah. and in a slow motion uh, going viral then – meant mm-hmm. uh, going to the water cooler and talking to your friends in your immediate yeah. circle about it and then maybe eventually watching media, newspapers, magazines pick it up yeah. and talk about it. But this was the end of the, And just to kind of go back and set our scene, mm-hmm. again, this is 1959, so this is our earliest doc that we've had. And yeah. I, I hope we can do more of these from Gene's early career. Yeah, uh, I think we have Lieutenant on the horizon. But mm-hmm. even before that, yes, you mentioned Gene was um, – he was a one-off writer. He was mm-hmm. a prolific. He was he tied with, strangely enough, uh, Shimon Winselberg. Okay. He contributed twenty-four scripts for the two hundred twenty-five episodes. I mean, wow. Yeah. Let's, uh, yes. For one thing, Have Gun was just a huge hit. Yeah. Uh, right out of the gate, it uh, was nominated for Emmys. Um, uh, Richard Boone was a big star in the day, and the show. Mm-hmm. He wasn't an anti-hero. He was a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. The man called Paladin. <laughs> Have done will travel. Did Doug Drexler just show up? Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Doug, Doug is a lot of us yeah. know is a huge Paladin fan. Yeah. But uh, 
Paladin, he wasn't an anti-hero, but he brought a morality, his own code of honor and morality as a lone figure in the way. And again, this is the time of the Western. Everything yeah. that the police procedural and the reality show is today, mm-hmm. the Western through the mid-50s to the mid-60s and later dominated TV then. And if you were a writer, you had to figure out a way – or a producer pitching a show, you tried to find a niche within that. So it wasn't just yet another yeah, yeah, cowboy yeah. shoot 'em up And the uniqueness of Paladin – uh, was as a as a knight, <laughs> knight in shining armor, as the theme song goes, who would take on. So it, that was really, it was a creative challenge, but it also gave the writers pitching on the show and the creators a wonderful. It was almost like Star Trek. You had this palette. You could do comedy. You could do offbeat. And a lot of the writers, dare I say it, were somewhat subversive and featuring different racial groups, some of the themes. That's what interests and me. Ding. That's what interests me. Yeah. So where do you think Gene Roddenberry had an entree into that? <laughs> right, right. That recipe. Well, yeah, and then certainly going to Lieutenant, which only ran a year, but the Lieutenant is a show where, again, he, he's got a story to tell. He's got a message that he wants to send out and doesn't really get to explore that fully until Star Trek comes along. There's something in this letter that I find absolutely hilarious. The the third paragraph, um, no, I'm sorry, the fourth paragraph. Uh, last year, Leave It to Beaver won the award, and Hugh Beaumont, who played the role of the father, flew to Cincinnati to receive it on behalf of the program. I picture Gene Roddenberry reading, like, oh, great, I got an award, and then getting to that part. And if he wasn't already a little chagrined, at that point, just I, seriously, now I'm, I'm getting the same award that Leave it to Beaver got and that Hugh Beaumont picked up the year before. Do I do this or not? Do I do this or not? <laughs> well, like you said, uh, you don't turn down an award. You don't turn yeah. down the chance to, to, to uh, burnish your, your resume back in the day. But, you know, yes, he was a, he was a writer for hire, like Paladin was a gun for hire. <laughs> But he was busy. He had been busy pitching. Nothing yeah. had clicked, and he would keep on pitching. and And the lieutenant would be his first show to show run before Star Trek. And then, of course, as we know, into the seventies, he was still he was still pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting. They say also this year they give this award. Two of them are for local religious broadcasters. Yeah, and the other is for a performer presenting the quote Christian message on tel- the most effective job of presenting the Christian message on television and from those nominees that year alongside Gene Roy Rogers and Dale Evans hey yeah okay. were the winners I sure sure I Wholesome. Part, of, part of me makes me wonder though if a little bit of this award thing is kind of self-serving. Oh, sure. I mean, you, you give course. the award, but you keep giving the award to a higher and, you know, bigger and bigger fish. Right. So that you also get the attention as the giver of the award. But I yeah. would think in 1959, if mm. we we're talking about who's going to bring the American Baptist Convention the highest profile for their awards oh, it's uh, process, Rogers. it's Roy Rogers Dale Evans. Come on. No who knows? Who, yeah. He's a writer, for yeah. one thing, no matter yeah, who yeah, he yeah, is. Yeah. But but it is – let's talk about the award though. Yeah, he, this yeah. was coming at the end of the second season. Gene mm-hmm. by that time had – well, he had, uh, he had five episodes in the first season. He had six episodes. Maybe four or five had aired by the time they, they huddled on this. Yeah. He had won the Writers Guild Award, not an Emmy, but mm-hmm. he had run the, 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 the peer award from his fellow writers. Uh, he won the Dramatic uh, Half Hour Award in 1958 from the Writers Guild for a script called Helen of Abigenian, which actually featured an Armenian uh, uh, vineyard. 
Hmm. And a father who was looking for his daughter who had been kidnapped, which was funny. It turned into a ransom of Red Chief. It turns out that the daughter was the Holy Terror. Uh, That was his script, but he had several. One that may have caught the American Baptist's eye was he basically wrote the Christmas episode, air quotes, for the first season called The Hanging Cross, which had some religious themes as he went about his business trying to save a corrupt town. Yeah. From a from having been robbed, but there's a lot of moral tone through his episodes. Yeah. Um, and again, we don't know the process. We don't know if what he had may have been rewritten. Some are better than others. You can go on IMDb and read some of the re- reviews. You can catch the show, different sure. formats, uh, different ways to see the old episodes yeah. now. But um, all, you know, Paladin himself is a heroic character with morals who often finds himself at odds. In the situation he's in, in a corrupt town, a corrupt rancher, a corrupt military, you know, outpost. It's all in the wild west. It's all in mm-hmm. the the 1880s, 1890s generic setting mm-hmm. of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but he gives him, you know, what do we dare say, a Kirk like? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I, that's know, immediately what came to mind is that you have then TOS, Star Trek: The Original Series, as, as this. As they always said, the morality play from week to week, this hour-long morality tale, what happens, what is the moral decision when the captain shows up and has to make a tough call? What is the right decision? And Star Trek did it in a way that was detached from at least the conventional idea of religion and spirituality that a 1960s audience is going to have when they sit down and watch this show. That's really the big question that I had when reading this letter. And again, there are so many questions. But, <laughs> but, but, but I, I, I try to think about Gene Roddenberry's upbringing. You know, he's uh, first and foremost, he, he was born in the South, he was mm-hmm. born in Texas. El Paso. Uh, yeah. And um, by all accounts, sort of a, a relatively conventional upbringing, um, which if you have a conventional upbringing in the South in the 1930s, there's part of that that is religious, you know? Uh, so he's certainly familiar right. with all of that. Um, but clearly later in his life, he, uh, if you read the, the interview that he did for the humanist, uh, with David Alexander, he talks about how his views really formed into what he called it a humanist, uh, point of view, a humanist worldview, where it's really about people, not about some idea of a, a mythical sky God. What interests me here is when he sat down to write a morality play, he was investigating a moral principle, a right. moral idea, not a religious one. Right. And I wonder if Gene then looks at this without goes, a brass, Pla- uh, brass etched plaque on it. Yeah, exactly. It the exactly. Core. Yeah, and, and, and I wonder if Gene, if he gave it thought in 1959, may have, may not have, but like I said, a Gene 10 or 20 or 30 years later might have looked at this and said, what I was trying to do was write a human morality tale, mm-hmm. not a religious morality tale, and not specifically a Christian morality tale. If you bring that to this, fine. But at the end of the day... As the observer, yeah. if you're the audience and you want to put that on it. Sure, sure. Yes. But, but at See the end of the day, the, the intention here is to tell a moral human tale. And, and human has to be the center of that because that ultimately applies to everybody. It doesn't just apply to the person who has one particular holy book that they put above mm-hmm. all others. Mm-hmm. You know, that, That's kind of the universality of Star Trek that is 
certainly apparent, um, maybe less so to an audience in the 50s looking at Have Gun, Will Travel, because Have Gun, Will Travel was our own history. Well, fictional show, right. but set in our own history. Right. Yeah. A, a David and Goliath tale, if you would. <laughs> if Goliath <laughs> yeah. is... Uh, he, uh, one of the other episodes, one of the reviewers on uh, that I saw said, mm-hmm. talked about the, the theme... Um, the Monster of Moon Ridge, where it was, it's almost like a Twilight Zone. Here's another one of those episodes mm-hmm. that I think affected mm-hmm. the voting. The Monster of Moon Ridge, almost a Twilight Zone morality tale, but uh, called it the triple-headed uh, demon of prejudice and fear and superstition. Ah, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, again, yeah. in that mix of uh, knocking down ignorance and fear, uh, which is very Roddenberry-esque. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah, and again, it's sort of a universal principle that that right. clearly is attractive to him, and clearly is something that he would write about and infuse in his writing for decades to come. Was that the one with the uh, half man, half bear? Right. And why they didn't just throw in a half pig there? I don't know, but I guess we know what uh, we know what the guys from South Park were watching. They were saving Tellerites for later. Right. <laughs> right. Well, and final final thought on this: Look at who else is in the pantheon of like seven years. A lot mm-hmm. of up and coming writers have one script. Uh, Gene had again twenty four of the two hundred twenty five episodes. So he was he wrote yeah. over ten percent of the That's shows. He shared that number with Shimon Winselberg, who mm-hmm. if you rec- recognize that Trek of Files. Uh, is credited for Dagger of the Mind in Galileo 7. Nice. Early. Yeah. So it's that community of writers. They all knew each other. When somebody was lucky enough to get a show, they would reach out to folks that shared oh, their sure. view and they sure, work well yeah, with. Yeah. But real quick, the who's who list of other people who wrote on Have Gun, a guy named Bruce Geller. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Sam Peoples. Yes. And then a few names had one piece, uh, John D.F. Black, Richard Matheson, Fred Freiberger, uh-huh. and a guy named Gene Kuhn. Ah, look at that. So look, look at, at that. that. Well, and, that. and speaking of Sam Peoples, and we know that Gene and Sam Peoples talked off the clock when, when mm-hmm. they were uh, away from the shows that they'd been assigned to together. As Gene was developing his other shows, like a little show called Star Trek, and we may very well get into some of those documents. Oh, I hope so. Coming up in season two. Season two. Did I just say season two, Larry? You did. This is the end of season one of the Trek Files. Oh, that's right. <laughs> do we get to take vacation now? Maybe, what? maybe. Is well, it paid vacation? No. We, we do get to take a little time <laughs> off, and we do get to come back next season with even more stuff. What do we come back with, Larry? Oh, more stuff. We're going to get into those 70s movies, those 70s projects. We're going to get into The Lieutenant yes. and go back and find the spark and the roots of Star Trek. Uh, let's let's do some digging in the animated series. Yeah. Let's do that, too. Love it. And Love let's it. get a whole new lineup of uh, some of our past guests and some new folks as well, too. And it won't be long. We'll just take a couple of weeks off and then be back. We'll make sure to announce everything on our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash the Trek Files. So keep an eye out for the return of the Trek Files for season two. Larry, take us out. Yes, the Trek Files is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment. Executive producer, Rod Roddenberry. Additional production by Ken Ray. All documents are available at facebook.com slash the Trek Files. For more great podcasts, check out podcast.roddenberry.com. And for more deep diving of Star Trek behind the scenes, visit Dr. Trek and Portal 47. That's me at LarryNimichek.com. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.